Welcome to Lawful Good, Powerful Partners. This is a series about interesting and caring folks that we know and trust whose journeys brought them to collaboration with the legal community. I'm your host, Luke W. Russell. I'm not a journalist. I'm not an attorney. I'm trained as a coach. I love human connection, and that's what you're about to hear. Today, I'm chatting with John Baer, one of our lawful, good, powerful partners. The goal of this conversation between John and I is to help listeners like you understand if what John's company, Milestone Consulting, if what they have to offer is something that would benefit you or someone you know. And if you haven't already listened to my interview with John about his life story and how Milestone came to be, you can hear that and so much more in the previous episode. As you might imagine, Lawful Good requires a lot of resources, and one way we make this show possible is by featuring people we know, like, and trust, many of whom we have a referral relationship with. Join me as we listen into our conversation where we're discussing who Milestone Consulting Services are best suited to help, who they really aren't good for, and why a law firm may or may not want to hire them. Are there PI lawyers who are getting substantial settlements or verdicts who don't actually aren't familiar with structured settlements? To start us off on the right foot, Luke, it's not even about structured settlements. It's really this spectrum of advocacy and advice and consultancy that we represent. So uh, there's a lot of things that Milestone Consulting does, you know, leading up to settlement or mediation. You have preparation for settlement. Like, what does that look like? What do you actually need to do? So it's like lawyers ask me every single day. It's like, about when should I be calling you? When is the best time, right? 20 years ago, I probably said, you know, within two or three months of, you know, mediation. Now I say, we should sit down every year and look at your inventory mm. and talk about how you're preparing those clients for resolution and what needs to be in place yeah. for your firm and for your clients year over year. When we're working very closely with trial attorney and law firm owners, they get that they're coming to us for advice on not just one case, but all of their cases and inventory and the relationships that they have, et cetera. So that's, that's for, for starts off. So litigation finance is definitely pre-settlement, right? They need a loan mm -hmm. because they're desperate financially. And it, the settlement may not happen for two years, right? So the entry point right. to our brands of companies and advocacy can happen really early on in the, in the litigation. Then the best way for you to understand milestone consulting is that there are services and, and expertise that we provide for just law firm owners. For starters, as you're preparing for trial or preparing for settlement, things that you need to do early on in the process you need to get a qualified summon fund set up for either for your case or your inventory of cases or for your law firm. And so what that does is it sets the stage for that law firm to be successful in planning. Without qualified summon funds, all of the proceeds and settlement will be paid to the law firm's IOLTA. And that eliminates planning for the lawyer, the law firm owner, and it eliminates planning for the client. And so you really have to back up the tape and talk about like six months to a year before resolution. And so if something is on a trial calendar a year from now, that's actually a good time to be contacting us. Mm -hmm. But lawyers instinctively know that if they're, they're past the discovery phase of litigation, all the discovery is complete. 
and the, and and they're maybe they have a trial date in 2023, but they might be posturing that case for mediation, whether it's approached by the, you know, et cetera. And so the discovery is complete. That's what I've been saying for the last 10 or 15 years on when is it a good time to contact our firm yeah. for all of the things that we do. So it's on our radar. We understand what resolution potentially would look like. So the case is settled. They've made that lifetime decision in the case settling, but they really now they can they take a deep breath and gather their thoughts, assemble their team, what experts do they want to work with, um, et cetera. It may not even be milestone. Right. right? I mean, so the QSF has, has emerged and is now the standard of care in the country for the trial bar to set the stage in preparation for resolution. So one of the second real integral key pieces of our financial advocacy that we do for law firm owners is our fee deferral practice. And so we defer income, uh, significant amounts of income for lawyers themselves on their own attorney's fees. Mm-hmm. You know, so if they settle a case for $3 million and they have a million dollar fee, you know, they can defer all of that compensation. If they have a referral counsel, they can offer that tax deferral to their referral counsel. It's that consultancy and advice to law firm owners. That's a big, big part of our practice. And that's why a lot of law firms will come to us and say, you know, they want some tax treatment. They're, they're, you know, very successful lawyers and they're in the highest tax bracket and more than likely will be for the rest of their life. And so with that success comes high, high taxation and they want options. And so we're one of the best companies in the country to offer the fee deferral option specifically for law firm and law firm owners or for the individual partners. Just, just expertise around, you know, managing complex litigation firms and providing them with advice. We also prepare for mediation. So mm-hmm. that's obviously pre-settlement. That's specifically advice and expertise and our experts. It's the conversation that is so important between lawyer and client that what does this case need to settle for? How much do you have to recover for this client to take care of them? You know, if there's a policy limit of a million, and that's all they're ever going to get. They don't need that advice, right? Right. But say it's anywhere from five to twenty-five million, and they're going to have to have a conversation with their client about the sufficiency of settlement. And so now you're starting to talk about financial terms, right? Mm-hmm. You're starting to talk about, you know, how much money does it take to take care of somebody for their lifetime? And now you're really talking about investment management. You're talking about asset allocation and you know modern portfolio theory and those sort of things. And lawyers don't do that, right? And so what they struggle with in their practice is how to, to, to communicate that long-term value to their clients. Because in order for, to get them to say yes to seven and a half million, that client has to understand what the impact of that is going to be. So what we do in preparation for mediation is we coach those trial lawyers, we coach those law firm owners about that important conversation and how they should approach it. So one of the work products that we prepare for trial lawyers directly is a life care plan analysis. We don't create life care plans, but what we do is we convert what the life care plan says to real people terms. How does the client understand, you know, are they self-insured for that whole amount? If the life care plan is for 30 million, why would I settle for seven and a half million? There's a lot of advocacy that we do for law firm owners and, you know, people in the trial bar. Yeah. Now on the, the client side, because everything we do is fundamentally for the people, mm-hmm. it's for the, the people that are going through litigation. It's also preparing them for resolution, right? What do they need to know? How long, you know, do they start the conversation, start building that trust? 
our medium is trust. As, as I said to you before, Luke, it's so important for the clients and their family members to be working with an organization that they can trust. They trust the, the instinct. They trust the philosophy. They trust the expertise, right? Mm-hmm. And the people of the organization. So it's important for them. Otherwise, it may be difficult for them to ever say yes to any settlement. Post-settlement, there's a couple of different things that we do in our firm. We offer what's called a domestic asset protection trust. You know, you think about someone who may be 23 or 24 years old that got severely injured, but has a fiance. Mm-hmm. Like if you were that person's, you know, uncle or father, right? Like you, you may, you'd be thinking about, well, is the money going to become a problem? And so lawyers don't necessarily that are litigating don't necessarily think about the problems that money creates. And so that's really for our profession, right? And so the, the DAPT or the Domestic Asset Protection Trust is a wonderful tool that allows for people that not necessarily even younger, but they may have vulnerabilities with family to protect the pool of assets. Yeah. Another really big, big part of what we do is special needs trusts. So about a third of all people that go through litigation rely on SSI and Medicaid and they access the healthcare system through Medicaid. And so if you get money, it's because it's a needs-based benefit program. If you get money from any source, you lose Medicaid. Right. You also may lose your housing benefit or any other you know type of government benefits. So government benefits preservation doesn't necessarily mean that they will end up with a special needs trust, but that's somewhat, that's kind of a trigger term that we talk to trial attorneys all the time about to say, well, if your client's on Medicaid, they're going to want to know whether they're going to be able to continue receiving Medicaid benefits if they take a settlement. And so we deal with Medicaid and Medicaid preservation and creating special needs trusts or doing what's called spend down so that that person is making an informed decision, both, you know, at the time of settlement, but then follow on. Those are some, those are some really, really important things. Yeah. Well, who's the type of lawyer, law firm that you're like, you know what, these are the people who you don't need to call us where they're not good for this service. Lawyers that don't need us are, are ones that have very easy cases that they can settle and the client's really in good shape. You know, you take a half million dollar case for someone that, you know, ran their own business and you're going to give them $300,000. No problem, right? There's no risk there. And so lawyers will naturally triage, you know, the types of cases, but they, they miss a lot of things. Sometimes that, that business owner might have a disabled child and they're really worried about what happens when, you know, when they die. And so when settlement happens, they may be thinking about not what does it do for them, but what does it do for their family? And what do you, what are your, you know, hopes and dreams and goals with regard to it? If it's not a lot of money, maybe there's not as much of a problem, but we've worked on thousands of small cases. What we want to be perceived as, and I think we are perceived as is knowledge consultants. And so if the case has a problem, Mm-hmm. The, the lawyer should come in contact with an expert firm like ours to know that there are people that can problem solve. Yeah. And so you might have a $75,000 case and it, you know, might be a catastrophic injury, but a policy limits case, there's not enough money to go around. But if it's Medicaid related, that lawyer has a problem to solve that they don't do in their practice. So they're, they're going to need somebody. They're going to need a milestone, you know, to solve that very small case. So it's not even case size. Is there a tax problem in that case? We just talked to a lawyer last week who was very, very successful in taking a case to their state Supreme Court. And so the case was upheld and it's postured for payment. Over half of what's going to be paid will be taxable. 
taxable to the client and they may not get a deduction for attorney's fees. Wow. So taxes and paying taxes in the tax law, although we're not an accounting firm or a tax law firm, we're considered to be tax experts in, you know, litigation. And so if there's a tax problem, well, the tax attorney is going to be able to tell you you have a problem. The CPA is going to be able to calculate how much taxes you're going to owe. We're actually the solution-based company that you want to get involved to solve the problem of taxation in one calendar year. Yeah. Right. And so spreading out a lawsuit over 10 or 15 years and having the money be professionally managed will reduce taxes by over 50% in most cases. And so it's a home run. Yeah. Maybe without, you know, having to call it your competitors, why do you think like you are particularly better than other firms out there that people could go to for the sort of financial planning and settlement planning and and structuring that you all offer? You know, we've been involved in the largest piece of litigation in the country for over 20 years. We probably represented more catastrophic cases than a lot of our competitors combined. Although we're not the largest company in terms of the number of people, Mm -hmm. we have a preponderance of experience and that's the value. It's also the level of lawyers that we deal with. And so, you know, you take a practitioner that, you know, works in a small town. They may only work with 10 lawyers in their whole career. We've worked with probably 50% or more of the top, top leadership in the country by state in every category of litigation. So from catastrophic injury, burn injury, um, birth injury to mass torts, every type of mass tort that has come down the pike in the last 20 years, sexual assault litigation. You know, we've been at, our company has been at the forefront of planning and providing advice to lawyers that represent the top of the legal profession. As a boutique firm, we have the skills and the expertise um, to, to work on the most complex challenges in the country and to bring the most relevant solutions every single day. And we're not stuck in the ideology of 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So all of our competitors still, in my opinion, are, you know, dealing with legacy philosophy. We are plaintiff centered. And so if what worked yesterday no longer works today, that's a new policy in our firm. Yeah. So I imagine some lawyers might not have any idea how to spot what you would call maybe the legacy knowledge or the old way of doing things and how you've shifted. Can you give like a little bit of an example? Sure. I'll give you a a prime example. So lawyers every single day have to deal with Medicare set asides. Mm -hmm. Just that you take that one issue. And the, the idea of a Medicare set aside is that the government has a statute out there under 42nd USC that says that if you recover and that Medicare is a secondary payer, right? And so there's all this whole industry that does Medicare set-asides and they make a lot of money doing it. If, if you make money doing Medicare set-asides, your advice is going to be biased because the only way you make money is by seeing the client set money aside. So a long time ago, I said, that's BS. Studied the law, built up an entire dossier on the research that starts with the U.S. Supreme Court cases in Chevron the government cannot assess a penalty, meaning they can't take someone's Medicare away from them when they've paid in as a worker. They've earned Medicare. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not an entitlement program. Yeah, It's governmental insurance, disability insurance. And so me- they're entitled to their Medicare because they they paid into it. But there's all this misinformation that happens. So 
said, look, we're not going to make money doing Medicare set-asides. We're going to provide advice of why you should be able to not do it. And mm. so we're one of the few firms, if not the only firms, that if you come to us for a Medicare set-aside, we're going to tell you you don't have to do one. Yeah. Not only do you not have to do a Medicare set-aside, but I'll give you a memorandum for my firm and I'll sign the, the memorandum that says that you've allocated $0 to the government. Mm. And so there, if they were ever to come behind, then you've at least got a professional expert opinion saying that the government's interest in this case is zero. Nobody's doing that. Yeah. Everybody comes behind and they charge $2,500 and then it's a $100,000 allocation to the government that's completely unnecessary because it's self-interest. I don't need to take a nickel off of every single person that comes through the house. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like, just give good advice yeah, and, and make your money where you, where you can, where you add value. So the Bears Foundation provides pre-settlement loans to clients. Where does that money come from and how does that accounting work? The Bears Foundation is a public charity. It's a 501c3 New York nonprofit. All of our funding comes from a very short list of providers, people with capital, right? Mm-hmm. But the preponderance comes from the banks. So we borrow from the bank at 4% or maybe 45 and we loan it out right now. Today's rate is about nine and, and change. Mm-hmm. We do raise money. We do get donations from people all over the world. Uh, and some of them are also lawyers, but they're making a donation. They don't have a financial interest in the, the interest being charged. So that's a, a legal distinction. Yes. Um, if we were to do a deal with a trial lawyer that wanted to support our foundation, we're allowed to you know, borrow money from private citizens, but none of those lawyers' cases could ever come through the Bears Foundation for funding. Yeah. But if a lawyer makes a donation that has no strings attached, they can do that all day long. So we always say, give till you, you know, give till it hurts. I think we're one of the few causes that's worth a 500 or a $1,000 check every year because of what we're trying to accomplish and how much the trial bar at large hates litigation funding. Mm-hmm. They hate it. Yeah. The most important thing we're doing is trying to create a model which can be replicated. And so we, if we can train other nonprofits or, you know, benevolent citizens about litigation funding um, and how to do it, how to do it properly. And what that does is it, it exerts some marketplace pressure on the for-profit funders. Yeah. Like, so the idea is powerful. And that's what Mike Papatonio said. You know, a couple of weeks ago in his, in his, uh, message to the, to the trial lawyers and MTMP and trial school, which is it, it's a brilliant idea, but we, it, it all, it all has, depends on execution and whether or not we grow and whether or not we're replicated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What I think is interesting is how when we talk to some of your colleagues, they talked about how how you really build trust with the plaintiffs, especially with people who I assume have substantial settlements uh, or awards incoming. Can you talk to me a little bit about this client relationship building and how you're like adjacent to the lawyer, but also supporting the work that the lawyer is doing while taking an interest in the plaintiff? Yeah, absolutely, Luke. I mean, so it's very hard to say yes to a settlement if you don't know what it means to you. Hmm. They're not necessarily in the position in their life to know the right kind of people that they can go to for advice. And so that's where our relationship starts with them to do first an assessment, a risk assessment. And so how we generally build trust is just by being good people. Mm -hmm. Sit down and 
you know, if they're serving pizza, have some pizza right along with them. Yeah. Have black coffee, even though they, you, you probably take it with cream and sugar, but yeah. nobody cares. It's yeah. just break bread with them. Mm. We get the kind of testimonials that it's like, when I first started talking to the people of Milestone, I knew that I was, that I was dealing with people that cared about me as a human being. And it, they just say this. They don't, we don't, we don't interview them like you're interviewing me. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like they just openly just say, you know what? I've enjoyed the experience and I already trust you and I've only talked to you three times. So I do think that there is an art to that, Luke, that I think will become the legacy of, you know, settlement planning. And the people in the country that are good at that are going to be more successful. And the more honest and trustworthy that they are and the better reputation that they have, they're, they're going to be more successful as settlement planners because they understand that the client has to be first. Whereas I see a lot of financial experts talk over people and say, well, I know everything and you need to do this, this, and this. We don't practice that way. We really say, we know a lot of things, of course, because we've been doing this a long time, but I have no idea if any of that makes any sense to you. Yeah. Like, what do yeah. you, what do you need to know? What are you worried about? And when you start really treating the people with the challenges that they have, you're opening the door to a quality relationship mm-hmm. and then trust will follow from there. Yeah. So the lawyers at some point in their relationship with their client saying, Hey, we want to bring in an outside person to help with figuring out how we, handle this money like maybe they've talked to you and you're like yeah i think we can help so then they're they're saying to their client hey we'd love for you to meet these people from milestone is that how does the lawyer go about bringing you into the fold yeah it basically starts with the conversation um they say look i've got a wonderful relationship with you i care about you and your family i've represented you for years and you know if we recover any money in this you're going to need to have a trusting relationship like you have with me with someone who has the expertise in what you're going to need post litigation. And so the best lawyers in the country recognize that they have to identify and find someone like themselves to continue the trusting relationship. And so that's where I always say, look, civil justice is incomplete without settlement planning. Yeah. Is there anything I didn't touch on that you think is an important part of this conversation? So there's a big conversation going on in the country about liens. Milestone Consulting does not do any liens, lien resolution. Okay. We know a lot about it. We know some of the best people in the industry. We specifically don't do liens because one, it, it burns into relationships with law firm owners. And so I'll never be in a business that just upsets people. We take the position that in inventory settlements and mass torts or in global settlements that the qualified settlement fund administrator should be separate and independent from the lien resolution administrator um, to let the space have there be some separation and controls. And that's an important message that I think is you'll hear more and more of as you go to, you know, different conferences and talk to people, Luke, the people that are in leadership and a lot of the MDLs that we're talking to, they get it. Mm-hmm. You need to have someone that can hold the lien resolution administrator accountable for the work that they're doing. And if you look at, What's happening in the PG&E settlement? I mean, there was that article like just a couple of weeks ago in Law 360 where like they've racked up like $51 million in expenses that comes out of the pool of money that could go to yeah, plaintiffs, yeah. right? Cost of administration. And so we uniquely silo that and we only specialize in the Qualified Summit Fund Administration 
so that the cost for lien resolution is transparent. And that's important. If you're thinking, yeah, I'd like to speak with the Milestone team or want to check out more information on the work that they do, go to milestone7th.com. If you do reach out, please let them know that you decided to contact Milestone after listening to the Lawful Good interviews. By doing so, you are helping support the podcast and the work we are doing in the world. Thanks so much for listening to us this week. This podcast is produced by Kirsten Stock, edited by Kendall Perkinson, and mastered by Guido Bertolini. A special thanks to the companies that make this project possible, Russell Media and the SEO Police. You can learn more about these groups by visiting our website, lawfulgoodpodcast.com. I'm your host, Luke W. Russell, and you've been listening to Lawful Good.